0: Jump right in today, we're going to be reading uh, 11 verses today. We're going to go through them together and we're going to look at our participation with Christ how we partake in the divine nature, the divine life with our Savior. And so, the scripture today is going to give us a look at both God's grace and the free gift that He gave us, and also our responsibility as partakers. In that life in that grace and so we're gonna jump right in I think maybe um, typically we usually read through the chunk of scripture or the section of scripture first and then you know we talk about it but today I'm gonna be going line by line through the scripture and we're gonna go through it together slowly and so if you know we're 15 minutes in and you're like she is only on first five it's okay that's how we're doing it today and so let us jump right in and begin Chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. We're already going to pump the brakes right here. This is good stuff, you guys. Let's talk about it. So Peter recognizes himself as very low and elevated. And this is such a beautiful snapshot of what life with Christ is. Because we recognize that we owe him everything. He created us. There is nothing we can bring to him that he did not create and give us. And he also gave us salvation, forgiveness of our sins, took away, poured out the punishment that was meant for me, for my failures. He poured it out on his son, gives me eternity as a free gift. So Peter's saying, I am a servant of Christ. I owe him, I'm going to serve him. The rest of my life, I am low. I'm lowly compared to God. And also, I'm an apostle. And in this life with Christ, when we accept the free gift of salvation, he gives us a place. He gives us a position. He gives us a purpose. And so the, the, the dichotomy of this, I, that I'm lowly and I have a position and I'm elevated in Christ, is just a beautiful snapshot of the kingdom of God, of what Christianity is. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think we say this regularly, but it's just worth mentioning that in Christ, if you accept faith, if you accept salvation, if you accept forgiveness, we are, all have equal standing before God. There's no difference from the prisoner down the street who's accepted faith, who's in prison the rest of his life or her life for his or her crimes, if they have accepted faith and I have accepted faith, we are equal standing before God. That's unbelievable. That is the beauty of Christianity and what God has done for us. We move on. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with... And we're going to pause because we just went through... Uh, about four verses there let's take a moment to think about what we just read we begin our life with christ by faith alone i'm going to repeat that so many times today because i just i don't want someone to leave saying i think she was talking about works we begin our life with christ by faith through grace alone he has offered us the opportunity for salvation means we have the chance to accept his sacrifice on the cross to cover my sins. And nothing I do, nothing you do, could ever warrant that. It's a free gift from God's love to his people to redeem us, reconcile us to him. Okay. And that alone, that, that is way more than we deserve. That is more than we could even imagine. And yet he gives it to us, but he doesn't stop there. And he could, because we're already like, whoa, this is the most amazing miracle that could ever be. He doesn't stop there. He grants us the privilege of being partakers with Christ. And that's not really a word that we use too often. I've listed the Greek word there that's used in this passage. And it means a sharer, a partner, a companion. And further down in in the Strong's Concordance, it was saying a more modern word, a better word that we would understand we could use today is an associate. Something we understand a little bit better than the word partaker. So he has made us a sharer, a partner, a companion with him. And I'm going to take a little time here because this is just so absolutely amazing. And it's so easy to read this in scripture. And, and, and there's many references in scripture. This is just one where it says that we are partakers in the life of Christ. And this is unbelievable to think that the creation, me... I am the creation. I did nothing to make myself exist, to come about. I can't make my heart keep pumping. I can't make my brain function. I can't make the universe be be what it's supposed to be. I don't even understand what it's supposed to be. I can't make it. Okay, the creation, the fact that I have a partnership, that I can be a sharer, that I can be a companion with the creator. Come on. That's great. That's a am- I don't want to say crazy because I believe it. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's unheard of. And in any other worldview, any other religion, you're not going to find a message like this. This is you un- this truth is unique to Christianity. And this week when I was thinking about this verse, I'm like, man, I'm a sharer. I, I get to partner with the Creator, God. God, give me, give, make that real to me. Give, make this a revelation to me, because this is a revelation that can really change the way you see your relationship with Christ and the way you view Christianity. And so, I was praying and driving this week, and I was thinking like of just this visual to try to compare. It will still fall short as a comparison, but I was thinking like, man, what if I went to an attorney, and I because I was. Setting up a business, and I wanted to create the bylaws, or we could say I, I wanted to go get a will, you know, get get everything done legally. And if the when the attorney came time to say, okay, who are your sharers? Who do you want to receive and, and share in this inheritance, or who's your associate for this business? And if I turned to him and said, I'm glad you asked, I brought her with me today. Here's my associate. Here's my partner. Who's Here... He, Here is who I want to share in this opportunity with. If you can't see, uh, this is a worm. Okay? Now, for those of you that are like, oh my gosh, what a terrible thing to say. You'd say God sees us all as little worms. I'm saying, when I consider my humanity, when I consider who I am compared to a creator God, all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect, holy, just, this is what I pictured for myself today. Feel free to picture something if this is really bothersome to you. Hold the hand of the person that you came with and be like, it's okay, we'll get through this example. <laughs> Hang on. If you don't like thinking of yourself as a worm compared to Christ, pick something else. Scripture says that I'm the, the clay. He is the, he is the potter. And he, whoo, he's moving. <laughs> 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 Partner betrayed me. Station. <laughs> Think of yourself as a pot that he formed. Whatever image you want. But the point is, when you think of the comparison there. (laughs) It's good. I'm from Stanford. It's good. (laughs) There's, There's no comparison. When we understand the truth that what we have received from Christ, salvation, free, earned nothing, did nothing to earn it, I mean, and also, he's making us his partner. To me, it totally helped my mind this week remove any, any hints of, of works mentality and a legalism mentality that can always kind of be creepy in the back of our minds. Like, man, I did a lot. I'm doing good for God this week. I'm serving a lot. Or, you know, I've been, whatever. I'm doing good, so he's probably like maybe loving me a little bit more or maybe will bless me a little bit more this week. You know what? It totally removes that works viewpoint a point of view of, and legalism because when I realize that I am nothing without Christ and nothing compared to Christ, then I know that there's nothing I can do to earn that thing he's given me, that partnership. Because even if this worm stood up on my hand right now and started jump roping with a little worm jump rope, it's still not suddenly going to be like, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense to partner with that thing. No, no matter what I do, I am still st- nothing compared to creator God. Nothing. And so that helps me when I realize that the reason I have value, and I have a position, and I have a place, is because God, creator God fashioned me from the dirt. He created me. But he didn't just create me and give me an opportunity for eternity But he also lifts me out of the dirt, and he gives me a seat at his table. And he says, you're in the family now. You have a position, and you have value because I say you have value, not because of anything that you are necessarily bringing to the table, because anything I bring him is something he's given me. And so this is an absolutely important revelation that we are partners with Christ. We are companions. We are sharers. Okay, so he's like, okay, got it, point, move on. You're belaboring this. Too long. What does it mean? So how do I participate? How am I a sharer outside of accepting salvation and, and, and forgiveness of my sins? Then what do I do? How am, how am I playing my part? By making every effort to grow. To add, to supplement, other versions said, add to your faith. Whoa, 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 change the faith? no, no. no. You've received faith. You've received forgiveness. It's it's yours. And now, what he is saying here is now you make every effort. If I am a partner with God, then I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I am growing. A spiritually mature person doesn't look to others to build their faith. A spiritually mature person doesn't look around and be like, where's the inspiration? Where's the motivation? What am I going to see that's going to make me just spontaneously burst into growth and, and and add to my character? And this is a very common thing in the American church. So this is not me. I mean, I've heard this. I've had this conversation so many times with people from other churches, too. It's just like, I'm not gr- I haven't grown here. I'm not growing. I think it's time for a change. I think I need to move. And I'm not saying there's never reason change things up but the the way the American church has made Christianity this consumer Christianity where it's like I've got to have the sermon be just popping like I like and worship's got inspire me and small group better be deep and better be th- because otherwise how am I gonna grow I make every effort I make every effort it's on me with the Holy Spirit I'm not taking him out of it Well, and it could be easy to say, like, well, then why do I need the church at all? If it's on me to grow, then cool, I can do that um, from my home. But no, Scripture affirms so many times that God wants us in in the in the, the body of Christ, in the community of Christians, that that is how we work out what we are growing in. That's how we show, am I growing in maturity? Am I growing in patience? Am I growing? Because if I'm only surrounded by the people I want to be surrounded with, my husband, who I, I, you know, I had a say in, who I got to live with, and the ch- children I have, and my two best friends, if I'm only around them, I'm not really seeing, really, am I growing? It's like, say, uh, we have a seven-year-old, and she was playing Mario Kart, and she's like, I am the best. And David's like, you're not playing anyone. He said, I'll play you. And she's like, no, 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 I am the best when I play myself. <laughs> yeah, okay. Of course. And so we can't just be a church unto ourselves. We need the body because that's how I see like, ooh, maybe I'm not growing in brotherly love like I thought because it really annoys me that that person voted differently than me or that they live, you know. Okay, we got to move on. We got to go. There's more scripture. Okay, so add, so here we go. What are we adding to the faith that we've been given for free? First, we're going to supplement our faith with virtue. Virtue means moral excellence. I think this is just reiterating the make every effort. When we accept the free gift that God has given us, it's not just like, cool. I, it's grace, 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 baby. So I'm going to be like a sloppy Christian. No. If I've received this grace, then I'm going to make every effort to be morally excellent, as much as like with the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm not perfect. I will fail. I will fall. I need His grace, but I'm going to make every effort to strive to the standard that was Jesus Christ. He is our example of excellence. And so it's my job to strive to be like him. I will fail. I won't, get, I won't be that. But I'm going to make an effort to try. Okay? To, to virtue with knowledge. Knowledge of Christ. Growing in, guarding our doctrine. Knowing what scripture says about every aspect, aspect of how I live and how I think. This is so important. That my next move is determined by what the knowledge of God and what he would say, not by my emotions, not by how I feel. And the type of knowledge that it's talking about here is not a head knowledge, it's a relational knowledge. And let me explain what that means. You can ask me, hey, do you know Shakespeare? I'd say, yeah, I know Shakespeare. I know him, I've, I've read some of the stuff, you know, I could recite a few facts, maybe I had to write a paper on it. I know Shakespeare. But then there's the kind of knowing that's like, hey, do you know David Mountain?" Yes, I know David Bowden. Yes, I know him. I know him, know him. Right? There's a difference. There's implied that I, there's a relationship there that maybe, possibly, hopefully, I may know him better than anyone in this room. So there's a different type of knowledge. And the knowledge, the word that's used here, is a relational knowledge. That I am so in relationship with Jesus that I know What his word says I know what I should choose despite my emotions I know my next step because I know what the Bible would say about this okay with knowledge self control this literally means to get a grip on yourself get a grip on me that I I control self not self controlling me and this is important because there are so many things that scream out for my attention and some things are similar between all of us, and some things are unique for each one of us. But whatever is screaming to me for my attention and my affection, I am going to get a grip on that area. I'm gonna, With the Holy Spirit's help and the help of the community around me, I'm going to get a grip. Whether it's TikTok or Instagram or alcohol or food or attention or sex or anger, whatever it is that screams for my attention more than Jesus, I've got to get a grip on it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Steadfastness. We already have enough to work on for the rest of our lives, but let's, you know, throw a few more in. (laughs) Steadfast. Perseverance. Standing firm through difficulty, through pain. When things get harder, when things get worse, that I am steadfast. That I pursue godly character even when I don't feel like it, even when I suffer for it. Self-control is connected to pleasure. Steadfastness is it is connected with pain. We need steadfast for those painful moments. That I'm not going to faint. I'm going to be so weak to faint through difficulty. I think Pastor Peter's sermon last week was a perfect example of steadfastness, how we, how we go through that. It doesn't mean that you don't ever say you're hurting. It means that we mourn properly. We recognize loss. We pull the community around us. We ask for help so that we can get through that difficult time. We can get through it. We can get through that valley and not lose. Our perseverance and our resolution. To fastness godliness. This is a word we don't really use. We don't even really use it in the church. I mean, I don't. It's not really something we think about. So maybe a word that uh, you're more familiar with would be reverence a respect for God, respect for his name. That I'm bringing the presence of God into my daily life, every day, living in, in righteousness, out of reverence, in godliness. And when I'm living this way, aware of, the, of God's reverence, of his holiness, of respect for him, it means I'm less critical of others because I notice my own sin more. When I'm, if I'm ever to the point where I'm noticing other people's sin more often, I'm critical, then that, that's a gut check for me. I, I've lost some reverence. I've lost my godliness because when I'm pursuing his holiness, I see my sin way more than I see anybody else's. All right, the last two. Godliness with brotherly affection. This is the love we have for other believers. This means it doesn't mean we have to have anything in common like hobbies naturally clicking. It means the thing we have in common is Christ. And so I have affection for you. I have love for you. Because um, Christ is our common ground. And lastly, love. And this type of love here in this scripture is agape love. We know different words for love. There's the friendship love. There's the sexual love. Agape love is a sacrificial love that does not depend on a reaction. It's not a response to someone else. It's the type of love that comes from Christ, that he loved us without us doing anything. And because we have Christ, that love just springs out of me and lands on anyone around me. So it's love for believers and love for unbelievers. All right, let's get... Um, to our final verses here for, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, hello, that stinks. You know, it's not like I obtained it one time. I got it. Uh, Increasing, increasing, increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pause here and give a little story because I want to give an example of what it's like to be in the ocean because many of our online community are, are not from Florida and they're in different parts of our country in different parts of the world and I'm not gonna assume that you've all uh, spent a lot of time in the ocean. So last summer, our extended family um, went to the beach. This is my siblings, my parents, their spouses and all our kids. So we went to the beach and it was like midnight one night and the little kids were in bed and the teens and preteens were watching a movie and one of them had this idea they're like let's go get in the ocean and so we're all like okay fine so pastor mark and dr crystal were in bed so they were in the house with the kids and so my siblings and their spouses we all go out to the ocean so it's midnight, and on that at that particular time in that particular season whatever it was that night the waves, the tide, were really big. So you've got big waves crashing. And something else that happens in the ocean is that you have a current that's pulling you the other way. So the tide is pushing you, if I'm walking into the ocean, the tide, the waves are pushing me back to shore, and the current is actually sweeping you parallel to the shore. So that's that's the kind of stuff you have going on in the ocean. And on this particular night, the tide was so strong Uh, you know you're just you're fighting you have to fight to keep your place you can't just stand it because the waves gonna knock you down so at one point i look over and my brother jared is hanging on to hope his wife her arms and she is like in a superman position in the water the current was so strong she could not keep her feet on the ground and so he's like come on And he's like trying to pull it just so we could stay in front of where we were staying and not be miles down. And so, you know, we survived. We didn't get eaten by a shark. But I want to give you that visual because if you haven't experienced the ocean like that, then then this point would be lost on you. Christians who don't make every effort to pursue godly character to grow are floating in their faith. And Christians who are floating never stay in the same place. You won't. If you take a pool noodle and put it in the ocean and and just chat for 45 minutes, you're going to wake up, not wake up, you're going to get up, stand up, miles down shore from where your stuff is. And that's what it's like in our faith. That's what the scripture says. There's no floating. You have to strive To fight the current of temptation, the current of our culture, the tide of selfishness that's always crashing over me. And I have to strive and fight to even just hold my ground in my faith. Much less grow, much less gain anything. If you are floating, you will be ineffective and unfruitful. And so let's see the final verses, what will happen. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. If you're lacking the qualities of pursuing godly character, having forgotten he was cleansed from his former sins, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. These are the last two points we're going to just think through. The danger of floating in your faith and not striving, not making every effort to pursue godly character, to pursue Christ, is that you're going to become so nearsighted you're not going to be able to see past here, past right now, past the pleasure that I want. So when I look to the future, it's like I can't even see what God's promises are for me. I can't see the purpose that he's actually called me to. The things that he has in store for me, I can't see them. Because I'm so nearsighted that all I can see is now, here, what I want, what I'm going through. And it also, so if you're blind, you can't see the future. You also can't see the past the same way. So you're going to forget that you were cleansed from your sins. And so you look back and you're like, maybe maybe church was more just like a ritual for me. I think I was just going out of pressure from friends or because my parents. Or you forget the moments you had with the Holy Spirit. Forget your testimony. The thrill. What a thrill it was when you realized you were forgiven that you wouldn't have to pay the price for some of the mistakes you've made and the sins you've done. It was such a thrill. But if you are not actively striving, fighting to hold your ground in the ocean of your faith and not let the current take you, not let the tide take you out, if you're not fighting and striving and making every effort, the tide's going to take you. The current's going to take you. And the more you just float, the more ineffective you become, the blinder you will be the more nearsighted you become. And it's a dangerous place because you start to think, why, why, why am I going here? If, if There's so many people in my generation right now that are coming out deconstructing their faith, deconstructing it. They're looking back with blinders on for the, all the areas that doesn't fit how I want to live now and make me uncomfortable. And so I'm deconstructing you know, what actually happened to me over the last 10 years in the Christian faith. since. If I'm not growing, if I'm not making every effort to strive to pursue godly character, if I'm not being a partner with Christ and saying, okay, I'm your associate, I'm doing my part, you did your part, I'm doing my part, then it becomes a place where we're like, I don't, I don't know if I agree with everything in the Bible. We're losing our lack, it's a lack of knowledge, our love for doctrine. All the people are hypocritical, that's why I stopped going to church. Lost our brotherly love. We stopped pursuing it. Our religion didn't make life any easier. It was harder. It was not helpful. No steadfastness. We're not pursuing being steadfast, standing firm. I don't want to give up the things I like. I just got tired of it being in a religion that was like, "Don't do this. Don't do that." We stopped pursuing self-control, getting a grip on us because we're realizing I am a partner with God, and this is my part play this, this this is the last thing and then we'll close be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election man oh man by making choices that show and confirm to me yeah confirming it to christ is like what you're saying i'm not really saved unless i do something that's works no it's not, it's not what this is saying you are saved if you accept what christ has done you are confirming it to yourself, in yourself. So when I uh, go spend time with my family, that, that's really stressful for me. It's hypothetical, you know. And and I usually, you know, and maybe I, you know, have a couple drinks before because it just helps me relax and not. The next time I go and I don't have one drink too many, do you know, I have self control because I'm relying on the Holy Spirit? It's like yes, I am growing. I'm changing. Christ really is redeeming me because every other time in the past I would have gone for that fifth beer. You're confirming it and affirming it to you that you don't become blind and like, oh, I don't know that this is even it. The evidence you have received, the free gift of salvation, is that you do everything you can to fight for godly character and growth. Amen. You've received it, yes. It's a free gift. My participation, my being a sharer in Christ is that I'm now making every Effort to be like, yes, let's go. Let's go. My partnership means I've got to fight the current. I've got to fight the tide, the tide of my sin, the current of the culture. And if I'm not pursuing it, if I'm not fighting, then I'm going to be swept away. So I want to encourage you this morning. Strive forward. Forward. Forward, forward. Don't float in your faith. I think the recent uh, COVID stuff, you know, and having to be home, and having, I think it's kind of made it easy to feel like just like asleep in a sense. And I want to encourage you this morning don't fall asleep, don't float. Get off the pool noodle in your faith and start standing up. Start pursuing godly character, pursuing the things of Christ, and hold your ground in the current. Hold your ground in the tide. You have to swim. It's not. It can't be us that does it for you. We do it together as a community. We can stand now and we'll pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for our community. Every person online that joins us, every person that's here. I thank you, God, that you have knit us together and that we come together every week online and in person to encourage each other, to spur each other on. But, Father, I pray you would wake us up, those of us who have been floating, those of us who have just been not actively fighting the tide, the current of this culture, of our sin, of our selfishness, of our insecurity. Father, wake us up. Encourage us this morning. I pray that each person would receive that revelation that we are partnering with you. That you not only have redeemed us, but you said, you're going to work with me now. You have a place at the table. You're in the family. And we are both lowly when we think about what we are compared to you, God. We realize we are your servant. We, we have nothing to bring to you that's anything of worth. And yet, you have elevated us and given us more value than anything in this life ever could. Let that sink in today, God. Those that struggle with legalism or, or a works mentality and get bogged down when they don't perform perfectly or they God, remove that today. We're in the family. You picked us up out of the dirt, you set us on the at the table. And now we can just go forward in the assurance that you have given us this position and place. Thank you, God.